are listening to the AI with Maribel Lopez podcast, or AI with ML. If this is your first time listening, thank you for joining. The AI with ML podcast is produced bi-weekly with occasional bonus episodes. This podcast shares the stories of the people behind the new world of data and AI. What are they creating and why does it matter? If you like this episode, please subscribe so you can easily find the podcast again. You can also share your feedback and ideas with me on Twitter and LinkedIn. All links are in the show notes. Extended show notes can be found at AIwithML.com slash podcasts. I hope you'll enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome back to the podcast. Today, we are joined by Heidi Williams, who is a Director of Engineering for Grammarly Business. Heidi, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. So excited to talk with you today. I'm excited to speak with you too. I actually am a Grammarly user. So when this opportunity came up, I was really excited about it. But for those of us in the audience that uh, may not be Grammarly users yet, can you tell us what Grammarly is and what you do for them? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So Grammarly is a writing assistant that is AI driven. We are trying to improve lives by improving communication. And so we go way beyond the mechanics of writing and really help people express themselves effectively so that their message is clear and engaging and strikes the right tone. What originally attracted you to Grammarly and to the field? Definitely an interesting story. I, I always try to tell it quickly, but uh, I, I will expound here a little bit. So my I've been in the industry a very long time. And my most recent role before Grammarly, I was actually CTO and co-founder of a company where we were building a platform to address bias, discrimination, and harassment in the workplace. And very often, we looked at the kinds of things in your culture that can end up having Uh, the sort of systemic culture issues that can lead to bias and discrimination. And one of the things we really found is that communication and language is at the core of so many issues where you might be having miscommunication, you might be unintentionally insensitive or offending someone, you might be saying things that are biased. And so I really thought that that opportunity to improve lives by improving communication, not just through the way that we speak to each other, but that opportunity to educate along the way, I felt like the platform that Grammarly offers to help us have more inclusive and more just better communication with people could really reduce some of the conflicts and the miscommunications um, that people see every day. So I wanted to work on something impactful and, and Grammarly spoke to me for that reason. You know, it's interesting that you mentioned that because for those of you that are listening that don't know, I have a column on Forbes.com and as a writer, you know, uh, many of the writers on on Forbes and other areas use Grammarly and we have noticed that particularly as we think of being more inclusive in our writing, Grammarly actually does pick up a lot of things for me, uh, things that were uh, traditional phrases that we might be changing, things that uh, we might not have considered bias before that are now considered bias or we've been alerted to. So that's actually been very useful in my business. So thank you for that. So one of the things that we're seeing is that you know, something like AI is the foundation of many applications, but it's also Uh, quite uh, routinely used in Grammarly's business. Have there been certain advances in AI that you believe make the business easier today? Yeah, yeah, it's a a great question. Uh, And, you know, I think 
there have been a lot of very interesting advances in deep learning and particularly, uh, particularly thinking about large pre-trained language models. I think that we've seen a ton of those over the last um, few years, and it's been exciting to see those come along. So we've been able to take advantage of, of some of those. And then our approach is not to use those off the shelf necessarily, but to then augment them with rule-based and other machine learning approaches. There's there's certainly no one-size-fits-all model there. And so it's been exciting to see the whole field of NLP advancing and that we can find great ways to take advantage of that. I, I think NLP is fascinating. We've had it for a long time, but there have been so many interesting advances in the past several years around the types of models and the effectiveness of this. And I think that this would be core to something like Grammarly, but we're noticing it's actually helping a lot of businesses in general. So I'm happy to see those types of advancements happening. You were just touching on the concept of uh, biases and maybe perhaps biases in AI models. Can you tell us how you approach this issue in your own software development at Grammarly? Because I think it's something that a lot of organizations are thinking about, but maybe don't have any uh, tips or tricks in the back of their mind on how to even get started? Yeah, yeah, great question. So we definitely, first of all, really recognize our role as responsible shepherds of user data and making sure that we're putting users first. We primarily are... You know, one of the biggest pieces of that is aligning our business incentives with their interests. And that's sort of underpins our, our overall approach, which is that we are only selling subscriptions. We are not selling data to third parties in any way. And so as long as we're able to help customers really achieve their writing goals, their communication goals, that is aligned with what we want to do. And, and that's our, our focus. So I guess I will note, of course, as you said, there that there is a concern around bias in, in the AI and the technology itself. And we do a lot of things on that front from a very structured development process. We do have humans in the loop. We also have internal teams of analytical linguists who are very thoughtful um, about uh, you know, language and how it evolves, uh, and also that we have very structured workflows for how we are decreasing bias in the AI itself. And so that ranges from making sure that we're doing really high quality data annotation. We are analyzing data all the time. We are doing annotation experiments. So we have a diverse group of people that do this annotation from multiple domains. Uh, we try to be aware of any sort of unnaturally constrained gold standards. And we also look for things like unexpected data, maybe that we didn't uh, think about ahead of time, but how can we code defensively against that to make sure that no new bias is creeping into our models along the way. So there's a lot of things that we can do. Um, we've tried some tactics around, you know, gender swap data augmentation and, and you know, fixing pronoun categorization issues and, and then making sure that we have regression tests so that none of our models are drifting over time uh, as well. So certainly in the technology itself, we have a really robust system that makes sure that we are, are being thoughtful, that we're not letting bias creep in uh, in any way, either during development or over time uh, after models are live. On the other hand, I think one of the things that really differentiates us is that we take a very proactive uh, approach to inclusivity in our writing. So thinking about what are suggestions around uh, sensitivity or inclusivity. And the goal there is to help educate folks. We're not trying to correct people, we, but we do add these things that are not driven by grammar rules, but rather driven by society. So we do things like we're listening to users, we're doing user research, 
we consult with external experts and, and third-party research. Um, as I mentioned, we have analytical linguists who are studying the English language and how it has evolved over time. So we really try to apply those suggestions to our, our product and give um, an op- have an opportunity to educate folks about why a word choice might be unintentionally insensitive or offensive to someone. Uh, so maybe just to give a couple of examples, um, some of the things that we've done is we updated so that they and theirs pronouns can be used in the singular and not be corrected to he or she. And so that was something that we did to make sure that we were supportive of the LGBTQ community. The other thing that we did was we recognized that there were xenophobic alternatives to COVID-19. And so we put suggestions in to make sure that people knew why it was important to call it COVID-19 and by its proper name, as opposed to allowing xenophobic alternatives to, to continue to spread. So we're constantly listening to users, trying to be really empathetic about their feedback and, and really pay attention to how society is evolving over time and, and, and making sure that we are, are thoughtful um, and sensitive in our suggestions. And maybe just one, one, a couple of things to add there, which I, I think are interesting. You know, one is that, of course, I think people might be aware of what you mentioned, the, the sort of model and regular model drift, but the fact that there are societal changes as well and, and recognizing there, there are other things that might have your model be out of date besides just the, the natural drift that might happen through usage. I think that's interesting. And then I also think just one of the approaches that we take in the engineering team is to also be thoughtful about the words that we're using internally, but also and then how those are exposed out in the product. And so we're using words like block list and allow list uh, we're not not calling, you know, that it is the sort of primary and backup and and things like that in on the technology side. So just the the way we do our work every day in engineering, and then how that gets exposed out in the product as well is very important to us. I think that's one of the nice things that we did see some of the tech companies leading on. So that is that is part of the goodness that we're seeing happen in AI. One of the things we were touching on earlier, and I don't know if you have any comments on this, but um, in natural language processing, there's uh, an issue around the concept of company-specific terms, technical terms, industry terms. And so while we might be training a bunch of uh, models on general language data, it doesn't necessarily translate as well into business. Is this something Grammarly had to deal with on the business side? Yes. And, and actually, I realized I failed to answer one of your earlier questions, which is, what do I do at Grammarly? So maybe I can just add that now, which is that I lead Grammarly Business, which is our product for teams and organizations that we sell through a B2B motion. So it is the first time we're going from an individual product where the user and the buyer is the same person to now all of a sudden we have teams of users, we have managers, we have administrators, IT folks and buyers who are all involved in you know how, how does this product work for their organization? And so, uh, so just wanted to note that that is uh, my focus is figuring out how we can build a fantastic product that works for teams and organizations in addition to everyone's individual needs as well. And so one of the things that we looked at recently, we, we published a great um, uh, research paper with a uh, the Harris poll. And that data showed that there is an enormous, enormous opportunity for businesses. Uh, we've estimated $1.2 trillion are lost 
due to miscommunication or poor communication in the workplace, slower collaboration. And, and I would imagine perhaps it doesn't even include, you know, talking about bias and, and discrimination, maybe doesn't even include the cost of things like microaggressions and how people feel when they've re- received some message that was unintentionally insensitive in some way. And so I think when you look at all of that, I think we even counted it down to something like $12,000 per employee, seven and a half hours lost every week to poor communication or slow collaboration. So it is a big problem to solve and we're excited to to look at it. And of course, as exactly as you mentioned, when you start looking at that lens of businesses and organizations, you realize that there are unique problems. There are interesting problems to solve there. And so some of the things that we've done to already address that. We've always had a capability for a custom dictionary, but we've also introduced something called style guides, which I love. And it, it serves an amazing purpose. It's a set of rules that basically will help you have consistency on how you refer to things. And so it can be anything from Let's always make sure when we're referring to our customers that we call them customers instead of users. Or, you know, in our case, we call them text suggestions as opposed to text checks. But it also can be, you know, our latest statistic is that we have 30 million daily active users. So stop using the 20 million daily active user number instead. And so I think it's really helpful for style guides to have those rules around the company specific terms, maybe your your latest statistics, the ways that you want to interact with each other and with your customers um, is a great use case for the style guides. We also have other features like snippets where I think of this as something super useful, for example, in customer success, where maybe the way you want to respond to a user who wants a refund, there's a certain way that you should say it. You can create a little snippet of text that everyone can insert really quickly with one keystroke so that we all say it the same way and there's not inconsistency or confusion on the customer's part about how to get a refund if they want a refund. So so those are all sort of in addition to our baseline things around helping you have clear communication, understanding the tone uh, that your message may be received with or making sure that you're using engaging words. But we're, we're trying to continually look at what what are standards, what are technical terms that, that companies really rely on and how can we build features that support those use cases. You know, I really like that because I think we are often struggling with trying to create consistency across the business. So that seems like it would be a very beneficial feature uh, as organizations look to uh, create consistent marketing, create consistent customer care experiences. And also as we see a great shift with uh, what some people are calling the great resignation, you know, making sure we can get people up to speed on, you know, this is how we say things, this is how we engage with our clients and our partners. So I think that's a really good catch. Yeah. So, and, we're, and maybe just one thing to add there, we're seeing both huge benefits in onboarding people to an organization, but also the manager can spend less time reviewing people's content and their and their communications with customers or with each other because they know that they have the Grammarly assistant there helping them along the way and, and sort of being that first line of defense before the manager then can focus on reviewing the content as opposed to the specific consistency pieces. Fabulous. Now. Um, In the case of the AI space, it's constantly evolving and there are many different things that could be happening. But I wonder in your role in Grammarly, when you're thinking of, you know, you're the director of engineering, what are some of the advances that you see in the AI space that you're looking forward to or how do you even think about it? Yeah, I mean, certainly everything in NLP is relevant to, uh, and, and exciting. It's, it's actually great to see how many different, um, parts of the industry are industry interested in moving this space forward. So 
large language models we talked about a little bit earlier. Certainly multi-language models could be very interesting. There are lots of innovations there that we're looking forward to, and and we regularly are participating in research as well and hoping to move the industry forward in that regard. I think personally, I'm very excited about privacy advances. So things like on-device models and federated learning, aggregated learning, where we can, you know, really the user can have an, an increased, you know, sense of, of privacy while still benefiting from the machine learning aspects of it. So I think that's, that's really cool. And then maybe one other piece that I will add that I, that I, I think is just maybe more of a, a philosophy that I'm just a strong believer in AI being an assistant. You know, we really want to be a coach and not a crutch. And so we want to collaborate with our users. We don't want to augment their potential. We want them to have their own voice. We don't ever want to help people sound like robots. We really want to just, you know, make suggestions, give them explanations, help them choose the right way to have their message be expressed and hopefully be received the way they intended. And so it really needs to be an informed choice for them, whether that suggestion is right for what they're trying to convey. And so I get excited about that, that opportunity to assist someone and be a coach for them, as opposed to, you know, being, you know, telling them exactly what to say, I guess, is, is the approach there that I'm excited about. I totally agree. I think um, creating your own voice is really important, uh, but also creating your own voice in a way that uh, you are clear and grammatically correct and all the things that needs to be in business makes total sense to me. So we've hit that time in the podcast of the bonus question. So is there a book, a podcast, an activity, or a place you'd like to recommend to the audience? And why did you select it? It's a great question. And I, I have to say, I struggled thinking about this ahead of time. I am such a curious person. I, I sort of read and listen to such a wide range of things. It was hard to pick one. I think one podcast that I've really enjoyed recently is 99% Invisible. And it's the hidden design of everyday things. And I think that's really cool. It's like the hidden history of how things evolved it makes me laugh. It's usually pretty funny. And I, I just appreciate the sentiment that design should be 99% invisible. So how much effort goes into designing a really minimalist user experience that is just enough, not too much, helps without getting the way. And I, I look at that as one of our most interesting challenges is how can we be an assistant that does not get in the way and is beautifully designed and a, a joy to use. And so I, I just love the sentiment of that podcast. I think that's a great suggestion. Thank you so much. I can't wait to actually uh, check it out myself. Well, Heidi, thank you so much for your time and your insight today. And we look forward to seeing what you create next. Thanks so much, Maribel. Thank you for listening. Show notes, subscription links, and additional content can be found at aiwithml.com slash podcast. Until next time, wishing you all the best. 